Good morning. Man, I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, it's really fun to be back. And uh, Phil emailed me a month or so ago and said, We're, uh, I need you to preach on the 1st of February. And I was like, yes, I want to come back and hang out with the, with the people of Mount Olympus. And then he said, and we're preaching one book of the Bible every Sunday. And I'm like, that's such a cool idea. I want to be part of that. And he said, and your book is Numbers. And I said, you know, let me check my calendar. Um, I'm not completely sure I'm busy that day. Because um, honestly, it had been a while since I had cracked open Numbers. I have this big old study Bible at home that's all duct taped together. And it's highlighted and stuff written on it. And the only thing I had highlighted in Numbers was that blessing that we heard this morning from chapter 6. And like most Presbyterians I know, I usually preach on one of the Gospels. And maybe one of Paul's letters, but certainly not Numbers. And uh, so I was really worried about it because the only thing I remembered about Numbers was these big long lists of names that I couldn't pronounce. And uh, I was like, what is my sermon going to be about? I can't even say the words in that book. And, um, and that's because we have these... Uh, the word, the book Numbers gets its name from these, these uh, accounts of these census that are taking place that we heard about. There's one at the beginning and one towards the end. And the original, though, the Hebrew word means in the wilderness. And I think that's so much more appropriate because while I was going through Numbers, I found these, this beautiful narrative story of this in-between time after they left Egypt. And before they got to the promised land. And it's really this history of what happens during this period of wandering in the wilderness. And it's not really a book that's about statistics of the children of Israel. See, after the children of Israel received the law at Mount Sinai, they began this journey as described in the book. And they were ready to march directly into Canaan. And the book of Numbers reveals how the children of Israel then became prepared and went through these trials and how they did not trust the Lord. And their distrust resulted in 40 years of this wandering in the wilderness. And then at the end, it concludes with the children of Israel once again at the, by the water, ready to cross the Jordan, ready to go into the promised land. This Hebrew word, bimidbar, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, Phil told me how to pronounce it this morning. I still didn't get it right. Um, means in the wilderness. And I love that title so much. Because Numbers is not the only place in the Bible where we get these beautiful wilderness stories. These wilderness experiences. Hagar and her young son are sent out in the wilderness. David fleeing for his life is hiding in the wilderness. Jeremiah says... God stayed with him through the wilderness years, through all those hard places. John, known to us as the Baptist, lived in the wilderness. Remember eating locusts and wearing camel skin. And even after his baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness and engages in this series of trials and temptations. And these wilderness moments and experiences what I'd like to talk about today. These times, these hard times, times of great trial, times of extreme temptation and tests. 
And it's clear for those who must endure these wilderness times, it says everything is on the line. Their life, their faith, their trust in God, seemingly hanging in the balance out there in the wilderness. And that's where Numbers takes us this morning with the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And it's one of the worst times in the lives of the Hebrew people, this journey out of Egyptian slavery into the promised land. And when this journey starts in Exodus, we are told that God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines, which is the shortest route. Rather, God led them into the wilderness. And here's the thing that it took me a long time to, try to get my arms around and to accept. But sometimes the only route from where you are to where God needs you is by going through the wilderness. But the children of Israel didn't really get that, and I don't get that. And so they did what I do, and they started complaining. And this book could also be called Complaining in the Wilderness. Every time they come up short on anything, they follow the same behavior that most of us do, grumbling and murmuring and complaining. Here's a partial list. We haven't had meat in a while, and fish was free in Egypt. We're sick of manna. If only we had died in Egypt or died in the desert why did God bring us here with these giants so we could die at the sword and our wives and our children taken captive? It would be better for us to go back and be slaves in Egypt. Grumbling about food, lack of food, lack of water. Why did you bring us here, God? Etc., etc. And this endless tramping around in the wilderness, not sure of where they were going or what God was doing, how things were going to end up. All of that had worn these people down. And I think, honestly, can't we, most of us, understand that a little bit? Because most of us have wilderness experiences. I've been out of a good-paying job for too long. God, where are you? I've been suffering with this illness long enough. Where is my healing? As hard as I pray for my child... Nothing seems to move her in the right direction. I've tried to quit, and I just can't. This battered relationship that I'm in every day, the sense of helplessness and loneliness, and we end up exhausted. And it's the kind of tired that doesn't come from walking too far or get, not getting enough sleep. It's that sick and tired kind of tired. It's an exhaustion that comes from trying and failing, praying and waiting, working and still not measuring up. It's a tired that leaves us all used up. It's the kind that steals our joy. It's the kind that breaks our relationships. Can you relate to this tired, to this wilderness? It's the kind of tired that comes from being in the wilderness and more importantly, not being content with the blessings that God rains down on us. See, like the Israelites who were led out of Egypt, sometimes we feel like we're being taken through the wilderness, and unfortunately, we don't enjoy it any more than they did. This kind of wilderness isn't a fun place to be. It's a place where we hunger and thirst, and we're still just left empty and dry and alone. In this spiritual wilderness, it seems like God is absent, or at least God isn't talking 
And this feeling of depression and doubt overwhelms us and we do what we do and we murmur and we complain. But friends, I'm here to tell you that in the wilderness, God is not absent and God is not silent and he hasn't left us alone. He's brought us to this place and it wasn't so he could just desert us there and leave us to shrivel up and die in the sun. God has brought us to this wilderness to give us what we need the most, and that is him. However, we think we know more than God. We think we know what schedule these things need to be on. Numbers 11 The riffraff among the people had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining, why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt, and we got it for free, to say nothing of the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. And nothing tastes good out here because all we get is manna, manna, manna. So what we want is that steak dinner. We want God to work these obvious miracles. We want to be able to see Him. We want these difficult situations to just blow away. Immediate joy and immediate fulfillment. And instead, God gives us manna to sustain us. And we've been forced to feed on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord and simply trust. And that's one thing I'm just not very good at is trusting. Especially when it seems like God is silent. I want to see God's hand at work. And when I can't see, I worry and I complain and I think I'm on the wrong path and I doubt. And I'm like the Israelites, murmuring in the wilderness. And the Israelites had to learn to trust God for their food every single day. They couldn't store it up. They couldn't ensure that they would have enough tomorrow, what they needed. And for 40 years... They had no choice but to believe that the Lord would not leave them and follow that cloud and eat that man. Forty years is a long time. But there's no telling how long God will keep us wandering in the wilderness. But I do know that God has a purpose in it all. Even when our emotions and our sinful hearts won't let us rest in Him, I know in my heart That God does have a purpose in leading us out into that wilderness. Like his purpose in giving manna to the Israelites, he has brought us to this place that maybe, maybe he can humble us enough into trusting. Maybe he can convince us that when we're in charge, he's not. See, we're like the children of Israel. And really, no wonder we are. I mean, we've been hurt. We've been disappointed. We've been neglected and abused. We've had our hearts broken and shattered and crushed. And we've encountered darkness and evil along the way. Things haven't turned out the way we planned. I woke up one day and I was 50 and I hadn't been on MTV yet. And we settle for less and we find ourselves sighing through life instead of singing through life. Wishing things were different and daring, not daring to hope that they can be. And so we do what our society tells us to do and we protect ourselves and we pose and we posture and we manipulate and we get in charge and we we try to make things work out the way they're supposed to. 
We put on our big boy pants and attempt to get some control on our lives and our, this circus that we call our life. And the more that we do that, the farther we get away from what God is leading us to. Last night, I was having a discussion with some friends about this very subject. And a guy told me that God gave me the gift of desperation. He said, he went on to explain, desperation forces us to trust God because everything else we've tried hasn't worked. And when our egos are empty, we have room for God to enter them. But honestly, desperation doesn't sound like a gift. And especially doesn't sound like a gift when you're face down in the muck and mire of defeat. Beaten by a pattern of sin that it feels like you have no power to break. And some of us never receive that gift. And we keep going back and going back to this self-destruction. To this pattern of hurt. Knowing that it's killing us and it's hurting the ones we love. And instead we grumble in the wilderness and say, God, why aren't you with me? But wilderness time means that God has so emptied you that you have nothing left but God. And in that terrifying moment, you either turn it over to God or you die. You're out in the wilderness alone and all your intelligence, good looks, money, worthy intentions, all of that means nothing. Because all you have to rely on I've been in the wilderness myself. There was a time in my life when I was wallowing in the abyss of despair and dread. And I only became willing to trust God when I was so ravaged spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and physically that I actually thought, you know what, I might die out here alone. Life wasn't fun anymore. I'd lost almost everything. Friends, family, respect, meaning, purpose, my soul. And I look back on that now with joy. With gratitude. Because if I hadn't been that beat up, I can promise I would never have been in a position where I could finally trust God and turn my life over. You see, that is what we must remember. The children of Israel went out in the wilderness to find God. Because they were headed to the promised land. They had to be humbled to the point where they could give up this illusion of control. And have reliance on God's leading them. Today, let's just remember that God is good all the time. And the Lord has brought us to the wilderness because that's where we can find God. And if we hear nothing else today, remember this, that God does not lead you there to leave you there. God leads you to the wilderness to get your attention and call your name. And in the wilderness, it's quiet enough that you can finally hear God's voice. And if you're in that place this morning, listen. There is hope. I know you're listening. Even through the pain, listen. Because God will not leave you. Your far side of the desert experience has meaning that will one day make sense and you can look back on with gratitude. 
But for now, just be still and be known and know in your heart that you are loved by God. And one day you will understand that this trip, this painful journey into the wilderness was really the only way to get home. I want to close with a prayer from my hero, Thomas Merton. Please pray with me. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me and I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.